green light. I love it. I want to, uh, before we begin our service, we have a couple things we do want to bring to your attention. Uh, Randy helped serve my memory on this as well. Most of us know Brother Almond Katrian. Uh, I received a message today. Uh, he is a missionary that's down in Guyana, uh, and I guess he's in the New York hospital uh, with uh, evidently his flight in. He ended up with kidney function problems as well as a heart problem, and so he's in a New York City hospital, and I forgot to make mention of that earlier today. Also, uh, Carla made mention in uh, the uh, crew messaging that we have as well in regards to uh, her friend that we've been praying for, Chad Gibbons. He had passed away. We need to be praying for the family at this time. I did remove the, you know, the um, request for Chad Gibbons in prayer. We removed him from the prayer sheet. I also want to read this to you all as well. This came from Dennis and Kristen today, and I'd like to read this to you. It says, To our dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to thank you for the of love, prayers, and support you have shown us over this past week. Those prayers have sustained us, and we have felt them in a mighty way. We have felt the hand of God covering us with his grace and lifting us up when we felt we could not take one more step forward. To Greg and Carla, there are no words to describe the peace and comfort we have knowing Jacob's final resting places on your beautiful farm. We want to thank everyone for organizing and providing the, the delicious meal. The love we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ, the love we have for our church and our pastor is unmeasurable. Our hearts are utterly shattered, but we will continue to give God the glory for all things. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you, we love you, Dennis, Kristen, and Kennedy. And uh, I hope you all don't mind, but I wanted to get that out as well um, in the message this morning so that everyone knows a little bit about what's going on. Uh, if you will, take your Bibles and let's go to the book of Romans chapter 1. And uh, the message we have for this morning or the, this afternoon service, I guess, we would call it is, What is Redemption? Now, when we first started... A while back, I put all of the different things that we hold to in practice by our confession of faith or by our measure of faith, if you will. And so one of the things we talked about last uh, couple of weeks has been the true God. What does that mean? The immutability of God and things like that all were part of that. And I wanted to bring a message today which will allow us to take this next one in hand called The Way of Salvation. Now, while you're turning to the book of Romans chapter 10, I want us to think about what is the way of salvation and alongside with what is redemption. And that's where we're going to go to today. The reason that I have selected Romans chapter 10 is it seems to be one of the easiest passages to understand the way of salvation. Now, I remember that the day that I was saved, and I remember that there were so many things that had been presented that really bothered me at an early age. And, uh, you know, television was relatively new, and, and it's funny that I cannot watch a horror movie to, to save my life. I just can't do it. If it's a brand new horror movie, I'll look at it, and it bothers me, and I just can't sleep. War of the Worlds, the first time I seen it come on TV, it took me forever to remember that, or not to get over it, and so many others. But the one thing that bothered me when I was a boy growing up was dirt being thrown in my face. You know, when I passed away. Now, isn't that something silly to think about? Dirt being thrown in my face. And I remember I was eight years of age, and I went into the living room, and, and Mom and Dad were there, and I said, when I 
I make sure that you put something over my face so I don't have dirt. And Dan, Dan in his infinite wisdom, said, go back to bed. But anyway, he, uh, he, he told me, he said, son, he said, we're going to put you in a coffin and things like that. He didn't try to tell me that I was going to live a long time. He didn't do that, but he was just being honest with me. And the reality is, and I want you to think about this, the simplicity with which a child thinks is the greatest opportunity to understand the things of God. Now think about that for a moment. When we talk about the persuasion of men and women, we are literally getting to a level that if we don't have a good understanding of the things of God, we're going to be chewed out and spit out. That's all there is to it. But with a child, that childlike faith is like, I want to know more. And I know that we rejoiced over the fact that Dennis had made mention that his granddaughter had been saved. And uh, what was funny, while we were there, his uh, or her mother came up to us and said, I, I want to visit with you all some more. I can't wait to be here again. And I just love that because the fact is, the genuineness of our Christianity is shining forth. But I want us to get this message. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. Now, understand this. Paul is a Jew. Paul is a Jew. And all of the days of his life, even though he knew that Israel was turning against the things of God, you know, as far as salvation goes, it was still his prayer that they would be saved. And the prayer that he offered... You know, many, many years ago, 2,000 years ago, at the painting of this, it's still going to come to pass. But look what it says. That they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thy heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, or the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? It's one of the best passages of Scripture that I have oftentimes used. Look at verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And what is interesting is what verse says. Uh, verse 11 says, For the Scripture saith, Whoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. In other words, there's not two salvations. There's one way of salvation, and that is through Jesus Christ. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord shall, uh, over all, is written to all. For whosoever shall come, shall be saved. How then shall they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? 
We're going to end our, our reading there at this moment, and we're going to pray that the Lord will bless us in our understanding and the preaching of the Word today. Father, again, thank you for the blessings that you give, and it's our desire, Lord, that you might visit our house your house, this place in which we are assembled together as your congregation that we have dedicated for your honor and glory with saving grace. I know, Father, that anything that we have of our own is really not of our own. We are going to pass from this life. This, this body will either continue or it will cease to exist. We all know that that's going to happen. But, Lord, we pray that our message will remain constant and that there will be a desire of heart to preach the word in everything that we do. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful into all things. Guide us, Lord, by the tremendousness of your spirit. Help us, dear Father, to know your way and your word, and guide and bless, and we will rejoice in thy name. So give us the tenderness to speak, bless and direct, and help us to be the men and women of God that you would have for us. For it's in Christ we pray. Amen. I want us to begin looking at verse 14. I know this seems like a, a funny place to jump off, but I want you to think of this not as the concluding question, but as a beginning question. In other words, if I move verse 14 to verse 1, notice how that would respond. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? There are three things that I want us to look at, not only as we begin our service today, but I want us to think about the simplicity of our salvation and what's involved in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one... When someone hears this message for the first time, how that the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth, it goes beyond anything they have ever heard before. I don't care if they're Muslim, I don't care if they're Jew, I don't care who that might be, that is difficult for them to understand. Yesterday when we were in our church services, one of the things that the, the pastor, Brother Ron, made the statement of, he said that if we have a doubt of salvation, it is because we are depending more on ourselves and the flesh than we are of the things of God. And I, I pondered that for a moment. And in a way, what he said is absolutely true. Because the fact of the matter is, we are thinking that there should be more and it shouldn't be such a simple operation. Now think about every religion that is upon the earth right now, even the Jewish religion, they're holding on to law. They're holding on to something that is there, like the, uh, if you will, the, the law of the Muslims or the Islamic law. It says that if we kill infidels, there again is law, we will inherit the kingdom. But if you go a little bit further in their law, there's no guarantee in that. There's no guarantee that they will arrive into their, what they call heaven, because the fact is, they can't make that guarantee. Interesting, isn't it? We could go back to Buddha, and we could look at the law that was there, no, let's be happy, you know, it, it's almost like the religion of, don't worry, be happy. I mean, more than anything else, you have this fat little guy that enjoyed food, enjoyed women, and things like that, and in his life, he thought, man, this is it, I've made it. He is suffering in the pits of hell because he was depending upon himself, not upon the graciousness of Christ. And yes, the message had been delivered. I can go on and on, whether it be Greek or German or anything else, and if they go back to their old pagan gods, anything that they hold to that is law, 
The reality is, Jesus is the only one that came and said, you must believe in the finished work that I have accomplished. And so when we think about what Jesus performed, it is a message that is exciting to me, it's a wonder to me, it's a blessing to me, because the fact is, I have to come to the gate He has provided, I can't go by my own measure. Look what it says in verse 1. My heart is saving grace. There is nothing that is written in the law that will provide saving grace. Nothing. Everything about the law is condemnation, 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 breaking. I mean, I can be driving down the road. In fact, many years ago, I had just moved to Windsor, Colorado. We were unloading the truck, and I parked my car out on the street. And I, I you know, measured how far away to make sure it was good. And at the end of the day, I had a ticket on my car. I thought, what the heck if I got a ticket on my car? My car was pointed in the wrong direction and parked with the foot, you know, against the flow of traffic. And so for that wonderful reason, I had a little sticker that said, pay $5 to the fee. I went to the judge. I was, $5 was just $5, okay? I mean, that's all there was to it. And I was just angry. And I thought, where are they charging? I went before the judge and I said, Your Honor, I said, You know, there's a law that you can't do that. I said, No. He said, Ignorance is the law is isn't against the law. You are guilty. Thankfully, I only had to pay the five dollars. There are laws that are written in the scriptures that we break every day. And we don't even think about it. How many of us have ever gone down the highway and broken human laws? Anyone ever go above 55 in a posted 55 zone? Jamie, we're going to joke like that. Joe would stop looking at Jamie like that too. All right, the reality is, is that every time we break the speed limit, we're breaking a man law. I don't care if you're going one digit above it, you are breaking the law. The reality is, is that, you know, and, and a lot of times if, 
I, I love this uh, comedian. His name is Inglacious, and he makes this statement. He goes, he had stopped out of fair at a Krispy Kreme, and a police officer pulled him over, and he goes, do you know why I stopped you? And he goes, because you could smell them. Thinking that it was donuts. But the reality is, is we break the law all the time, and reality is we are guilty of doing wrong, aren't we? All the time. But the law does not give us an opportunity to grace. Look what it says in verse 3. For they be in of God's righteousness, there's the ignorance part, and going about the be declaring it. Look what it says in verse 5. For Moses described the righteousness which is in the law, and the man that which doeth those things shall live by them. But if you are hoping that you can live righteously by the law, good luck. Jesus said, if you look on a woman incorrectly, such that you have lust in your hearts, you've sinned. One sin, you're out. Think about how much that we have complicated sin. The first sin was eating a fruit that was forbidden to Adam and Eve. That was the first sin. Not the holding of the fruit, not the looking at the fruit, none of that, but eating of that fruit. And from that moment on, there has been law after law after law saying this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And you're going to keep all of those? How many of us have had hatred to where we wanted to see even someone die because of our hatred? That too is a sin because we have committed murder in our heart. You're not as good as you think you might be. You're not. Look what it says in verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks not in thy heart who shall Or who shall descend into hell to bring Christ up? Verse 8. But what say Yesterday, as we were listening to the messages that were delivered, one man brought a message upon faith. And, I, and, and here's the thing that's interesting. We have overly complicated faith. We have overly complicated everything under the sun. When we talk about faith, it should be something as simple that a child can understand it. When I was nine years of age, I 
knew that I was going to die. I didn't understand completely about hell, but I knew that there was one who had died upon the cross of Calvary to give himself for me. And I wanted Now I'm going to show this to you. When we have the confession of faith with a young child, how do we handle it? By law, or do we match it with faith? Now come on, come on, everybody listen. Listen up. Do we match a child that comes to us saying, I have received Christ as my Savior? That means that they have now said, by faith, I receive Him. Do we match that faith with faith? Or do we match it with law? Watch this. If we don't believe there's salvation, we have matched it with law. Think about it. Think about it. The simplicity of faith. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When a child comes up and says, I believe that Jesus Christ died upon the cross of Calvary and that he gave his life for me, that he was buried in the ground and three days later rose again and I have received him as my Savior, what right do I have to question that child? Well, we all do it. I learned a valuable lesson many years ago, and I've told you this story before, how that when my son had run off to camp, and I was so afraid that things were going to be misaligned at camp, and when he came back home and said, I am now saved, I wanted to put the third degree on him. I wanted to make sure. Why does to approach saving grace as it has been announced by one young person. Now I'm going to show this to you and see if I'm not right. Hold your place here in the book of Romans and let's go to the book of Acts. And I want you to see two different situations. In the book of Acts chapter 8 we find that the church is now scattering all over creation. And the first one that we see is Philip has arrived in Samaria. And as Philip is arriving in Samaria, he's preaching, but there's one man on the scene that he's very questionable. I know what it says, beginning in verse 5. Then Philip went to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with uh, palsies that were lain were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain, I underline this one, but there was a certain man named Simon, which a full time in the same city you saw and bewitched the people of Samaria. He was a deceiver. He was truly deceiving. To whom all
Did he believe that Jesus Christ was the Lord and Savior? Or did he just believe in the power of Christ? Come on, that's a, that's a legitimate question. All we know is it says that he believed. But then the evidence will prove itself. Watch this. And when he had bat- when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered. Behold, this is that parable where the Lord said, and some was sown into rocky ground, and it sprung up for a little bit until the heat came in. And then there was no root for it. Now watch this. When Peter and John, now in verse 14, now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Here comes the evidence. For as yet... What it says in verse 18. And when Simon saw and I love what Peter had to answer. Look what he said. Well, verse 19 says, Giving, Give me also this power that whatsoever I lay hands on may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Oh, you disgusting individual. I added that. Thy money perish with thee. Why would we say that the money would perish with the individual because he's not truly saved? Yes, he was baptized. So is Judas Iscariot. Yes, he's part of a church. So was Judas Iscariot. Sometimes we have to be on guard for what people are added to the congregation. And when we see the evidence that they are not... It's not popular, is it? We don't like it, do we? Look what else it goes on. Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. A little bit further on down, we find that Philip is snatched away and he is allowed to catch up to this writer, this Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot. Look what happens with that one. In verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself into this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understand it what thou readest? And he said, How can I accept with him? Once again, this man was reading the word of this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb done before shear, so he opened not his mouth. And in his humiliation, in his judgment, was taken away, and who shall declare the generation for his life was taken from the earth? And the answered Philip and said, I pray thee, whom speakest thou, the prophet this, of himself, or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Isn't that great? But notice the evidence. 
And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What does him to me to be baptized? If thou believest, and I love this part, if thou believest, thou mayest. And he answered, I believe. This is the We didn't hear this, did we, from Simon? Or Simeon, the Simon the leper, we, or the sorcerer, excuse me, Simon the uh, sorcerer. We didn't hear that from him. But he was an Ethiopian eunuch who had been perplexed and now had heard about Jesus and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice his cry of deliverance. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I love the truth. And then suddenly the chariot was stopped. They went down into the water. The man was baptized and Philip was taken away. I wonder how many of us understand the glory and the power of salvation that is delivered in the things of God each and every day. I want you to see this too. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 26. I preached on this yesterday. And there's so many things that are written in Acts chapter 26. This was Paul given the final counsel or given the final message to King Agrippa of his own life. And there were several things that I want you to see this. Number one, Paul did not have a right to go before Agrippa without Agrippa receiving him. Look at verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou You can speak to me. I'm going to let you talk to me. Yeah, after all, this is the king. Now, at the very end, after he had given this wonderful dissertation of his own testimony and what God had done for him, we also see this in verse 27. For King Agrippa believed happens. I truly believe and this is not going against anything of election or the sovereign grace of God. I How can they give an answer? said in verse 28 then Agrippa said unto Paul almost almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian O King Agrippa can you imagine in the pits of hell him wringing his hands going almost 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 and now it's too late there is no second chances all of the opportunities to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is in this life, not in a life to come. And Paul said, I would to God that thou, that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I accept these bonds. In other words, I wish they were all saved. In the few minutes we have left, I'd like for us to take the gospel and go back to John just for a moment. And I want to show you something that, that was amazing to me in, in the entirety of this message. 
Jesus performs a simple miracle that in the in the long run, I mean, everything about chapter 9 shows us where the people were holding to the law, and they were, re, they were rejecting the faith of Jesus Christ and everything else that was in between. Look what it says in the beginning of verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was born blind from his birth. And his disciples said, ask him, saying, Master, who did sin? Here is the religious confusion. And by the way, do you know that that thinking is still with us today? Did his parents sin? Did he sin? That he was born? has nothing to do with us. has everything to do with natural affections. It was interesting, Brother Joe and I were talking about someone with Down syndrome. Are they really the ones that are sinning because of Down syndrome, or are we the corrupt ones? Think about it. Is there not an innocence in them? Is there a preciousness in them? Is there a sweetness in them? We're born corrupt. Just a thought. And Jesus answered those individuals that said, neither one of them. Look what it says in verse 3. And Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. To make a long story short, Jesus spit upon the ground and he made a clay. And he dabbed the staff, or the, the clay that he made from the earth, and he put it on his eyes. And he goes, now, go down to the pool of Siloam and wash thy eyes. Can you imagine as the man was groping his way? He knew the way down to the, to the pool. But before the long sticks, before anything of this nature, he just wanted to make his way down. Can you imagine the people that were laughing at him? without any question, began to wash the, the, the clay out of his eyes. And when he blinked his eyes, for the first time in his life, he could see. And, come on now! Isn't that amazing? And he came back and he said, nope, I'm the man. I am he. Now come the The religious religious ones. This is why I said when we take someone and we don't believe them by faith, with the simplicity of our faith, when we match faith with faith, this is where we're going to fall. Because now the law says, bring that man to us. Call. You know what? 
afraid. Our faith doesn't cost us anything. I want you to get this, folks. Our faith doesn't cost us anything. We can go about in our church was required to take care of you. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was attributed over to John as the son so that he would take care of her. Even Jesus in his last moments took care of her. This young man was brought before the the high priest, the, the religious rulers. Look what it also says. And we go down to verse 21. Verse 22, these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put in some synagogue, be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was born. Praise God, but we're going to reject your salvation. We know that this man is a sinner, and I love what this man answered. He had never seen Jesus physically. Come on, guys. He had never seen Jesus physically. He answered and said, Will it be a sinner or no? I know not. One thing I know, where I is, I was blind, now I see. Isn't that a great statement? I Moses gave them the law. Do you see it? And when we don't match faith with faith, we are literally taking the law in our hands again, whether we want to or not. We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not whence he is from. The man answered and said unto them, Why, here is a marvelous thing, that you know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know Since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Man, that is a great message, isn't it? Salvation. Do you believe? And the religious said, I hate this man. And they cast him out. Look at verse 35. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when they had found it, when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, By the way, now get this. Jesus, Jesus didn't say that he was God at this moment. He said, Do you believe in the Son of God? That's a great question. You want to talk about faith? Ask the young person, Do you believe in the Son of God? Look what this young man said. Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? That's a great question. Let me ask you this this morning for everybody that's here. Do you believe in the Son of God? 
I do. Man, I'm not ashamed. And I wish everybody in the sound of my voice could hear and understand that this Christ that I believe in. And Jesus saying to them, Thou hast both seen him. There it is. Your eyes are open now. You have seen him, and he it is that talketh with thee. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Can you imagine what this young man did? In, and look at verse 38, and he said, Lord, I believe there is the message. That's what we look for. By faith, we Savior. You know what's interesting? I don't have to worry about my preaching. All I have to do is deliver the Word and leave it with the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you today, everyone that's in the sound of my voice, You've heard the message of faith. Do you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Not only that, but do you know He's coming again? And He will only receive those that truly believe in Him. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I urge you to believe. Like the Apostle Paul, I would say, I want you to be persuaded as well. We persuade men, not with trickery, but with the very word of God. And therefore, do you believe. Father, again, thank you for the message. And I pray that it would be that which is necessary for each and every one of us today. We are so thankful for the mercy and the good which you can alone bring. Help us, dear Father, to know your mercies. Help us to know your truth. Bless the preaching of thy word, for it's in Christ we pray. And amen. Brother Randy, I'll have you all come forward.